good morning and welcome to Tuesday morning. Thank you for joining me. And uh, we're waking up to another nice day today. You uh, noticed, hopefully on your drive to work, that generally speaking, road conditions, streets, not too bad. People, though, still frustrated about the fact that the city of Saskatoon didn't do enough to look after those streets. We saw that freezing rain that happened overnight Sunday night cause some very slick conditions, especially in the central part of the province. Saskatoon and highways driving into Saskatoon, very slick yesterday. And uh, yet today, even though things have, have gotten better, we're still hearing from people with frustrations about why didn't Saskatoon get out there and uh, take care of those streets. With the forecast showing possible freezing rain still in the forecast over the next couple of days, It'll be on the forefront, I'm sure, of of the minds. If it's not, your texts are putting it in the forefront on the minds of people in City Hall, both uh, Saskatoon, Regina, and, of course, uh, around the province as well. Well, when you log, log into any given social media app, I don't care which one it is, chances are you're going to see advertisements. That's pretty much a given. Some of them are very obvious. But sometimes, and we're seeing this more and more, companies are turning to a more subtle way to advertise, and that's through the use of influencers to promote their products online. Many of them are using techniques to promote a variety of products directed at children and adolescents and youth. Just because, by the way, just because, and I've heard people say this, I'm on the same social media platform as my child, so I I get a chance to see, well, algorithms are different. So what you're seeing Unless you're using the same device, what you're seeing on your phone and what your 12-year-old is seeing on their phone, even on the same on the same social media platform, going to be very, very different. And that's why we're talking about this, because we are seeing online promotions of dangerous products or dangerous behaviors, and that's what my next guest is here to talk about. He knows a lot about marketing, some of the techniques that are being used to influence us into buying products that we see online. Matthew Philp is Assistant Professor in Marketing Management at the Toronto Metropolitan University, and Matthew joins me by phone this morning. Thanks for taking our call. Yeah, no problem. So can we talk about an influencer? Is an influencer always someone that's paid? Uh, definitely not. So they've kind of, they're kind of self-made celebrity-ish type people, and they tend to be known for certain types of, thing, certain types of things like uh, fitness or food or health and wellness or something like that. Uh, so they post content related to that, and then brands will sometimes approach them and say, you know, can you show this product, profile this product, profile this service so sometimes it's paid sometimes it is not and and I'm influencers paid. Paid. most of the time it's not right influencers are sometimes too they I'm, I'm guessing that they will build up uh, a viewership if you will a, a number of people that follow them based on it it might not even be trying to influence them in any way it might just be because they're doing dumb things right i see people that have thousands if not millions of followers because every day they post a video of them falling or a video of them hurting themselves or a video of them talking back to the teacher in school. You see these types of, of behaviors causing a lot of people to start following and watching regularly the videos. Do those people then become a good target audience for a company who's wanting to promote its product? Yeah. So it depends also on the, the social media platform. So some pay, pay people differently. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like if it's kind of a silly content, um, it's a little more difficult to say who your viewers are. Uh, but usually the people behind that account have pretty good information of who their viewership is 
And so they could then tell brands and speak with brands about, you know, who, what's their demographic makeup of, of the majority of their followers, let's say. So I'm assuming we're talking this morning with Matthew Philp, Assistant Professor in Marketing Management at Toronto Metropolitan University. I'm assuming that we are also seeing a trend where not all influencers online are adults. More and more uh, teens and, and youth can be used as influencers and are being used? For sure, yeah. So obviously the, the, the bigger kind of uh, platform right now is, is TikTok, especially with the younger audiences, let's say, you know, under 18. Uh, so yeah, so they, they are creating their own accounts and profiles and trying to rack up those, those views to potentially become influencers. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, you know, if we go back to what I would call your typical, you know, hiring of a celebrity to promote a product on a TV commercial versus having someone who maybe has an online presence of a few thousand followers, um, why is this such a genius and powerful marketing move for companies? Uh, so at the very basic level is, is we're, we're very used to TV advertising, let's say. So most consumers recognize when they see a TV ad, it's an ad. And we know that the company is paid behind it. But the, the genius thing about influencer marketing, at least when it first started to kick off, I believe most people now are starting to realize that it is paid. It started from a place from the consumer's perspective that, they might not recognize that it is paid content advertising. So when you see a product being used in a more genuine way, so I think this person was not paid to advertise this product, I will then believe it more. But as soon as we realize it was a paid advertising, we discount that away and say, oh, if they're saying this good thing about this product because they were paid to say it. But uh, at least in the beginning, influencer marketing, it was not very clear because us as consumers – we're not aware of, of what this is, but now we have a name for it, influencer marketing. We see it all over the place. And so now consumers are a little bit more aware uh, that it's paid for advertising. Is there an obligation for influencer marketing to note that it's paid for advertising? The, I know some of the platforms try to specify this. Uh, so Instagram, for example, and anything on the meta world, and I believe Twitter as well, there's certain kind of things that you had to say, like this was a paid for sponsorship, like, something in the uh, the caption, like hashtag ad, or or you would specify that's a sponsored post and they would have some sort of notification. But, you know, this isn't policed to 100%. Uh, so it, it's kind of, there's some gray zones. Chatting this morning with Michael Philp, who is the Assistant Professor in Marketing Management at Toronto Metropolitan University. Is, is it always pay or sometimes is it product so you know i'll use stanley mugs as an example because that's a big trend right now but if if they were and they probably don't need to advertise right now the trend is so high but if they were for example giving an influencer product to use and sell their product is that considered payment i'm assuming yes of course so some influencers will take the product say for example um uh, as as payment, some some influencers would take money. It's all usually agreed on between the influencer and the brand if if they're working that way, or through some sort of agency that they're working with. Uh, but yeah, some some brands will just send free product to an influencer, like without even saying it, hoping that they'll use it, hoping that it'll be profiled, hopefully that the, the influencer will talk about it. So that's the kind of gray zone that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Is you know, I'll send you a free product do with it what you will. Uh, so that could, could backfire on the brand as the, 
the influencer might bash the product. For sure. I'm assuming we're seeing a trend where companies now are actually strategically dividing up their marketing money accordingly. And so they may not be advertising in the traditional ways they did. They might set aside funding for this sort of marketing. Oh, a hundred percent. The, the online say marketing in general has surpassed like the, the money spent in online marketing, which includes social media influencer, uh, you know, search based marketing has well surpassed all the, all the expenses on traditional advertising, which would be TV billboards, whatever. Uh, so yeah, that, that's happened. That's been like that for a few years now. If companies are, putting the majority of their budget through kind of online-based advertising. Matthew, I'm curious to know, we can all think about and envision products that are that are being influenced and, and uh, promoted, basically, that are everyday products, whether it's skincare, uh, I use travel mugs as an example. Are you seeing things, and have you got some examples of, of, I would call it, concerning products or trends that we see being pushed online, especially involving children? Uh so one concerning side of things is there's a lot of kind of, uh, let's say, like Instagram-based businesses or like uh, social media-based brands that you would never be able to buy in a store. Uh, I don't even think some of these places have websites. Like you buy directly almost from the post that you see online. Uh, and some of those are, can be concerning because it's a little confusing of like how reputable this brand might be. Uh so some of that could be concerning. So there's a little bit more, uh, less, less barriers to entry for a lot of companies to, to get out there and sell their products. And so you're seeing a lot of different types of brands out there. Uh, and so you don't have the reputation behind it. As opposed to say advertising to children, you have to think of, I like to compare to traditional, let's say TV advertising. I could have a child, you know, watching TV alongside of me. And we both see the same ad as it's happening. It could be an ad that's not meant for them, like a makeup ad or a beer ad or a Cialis ad or something like that. They just happen to be watching TV at the same time Mm -hmm. that I am. And, uh, you know, the demographics for whatever program we're watching, you know, overlap with with children. So you you don't see brands getting really in trouble for that. Uh, The thing about social media-based advertising is it can be very, like, micro-targeted. So a brand could target really specific groups of people, not just really based on broad demographics, which is mainly TV-based advertising. So social media advertising targets based on behaviors and and interests, which is all implied through that individual's online behavior, their scrolling habits, what accounts they follow and like, the websites they visit. So a brand is not necessarily targeting an age per se, is they target a person's behavior and interest. It just so happens that that person then might be a child uh, at the end of the day based off of their scrolling habits that they have on their, their device. Matthew Philp, my guest, Assistant Professor Marketing Management at the Toronto Metropolitan University. So maybe this is stepping off off the uh, kind of the trend that we're talking about on in terms of, of corporate marketing and product marketing, but but on the on the notion of influencing trends on social media i'll use this as an example for a while there we were seeing kids eating tide pods right and so that obviously is not a marketing thing from tide yet it's an influence that's happening online through social media that children are seeing um we're seeing a similar one now with these Nicotine pouches, right? The Zin pouches. Um, there's all kinds of very young children talking about this, 
clearly it's not advertising that's targeting them, but it is, I would say, online content that's affecting and influencing behavior. What are your thoughts on on that? So, yeah, like children or, or just anyone scrolling through social media are exposed to so much content. And so if there's a certain trend, the trend can be anything, whether it be this Todd Tide Pod thing, or it could be a trend of, you know, donating money to someone in need. Like these trends kind of pick up uh, and go viral. And it's, it's difficult to understand exactly why they did that. But then those individuals will start seeing more and more of that content. And then they might, it might influence their own behavior going forward. So it's very difficult to say, you know, this is that company's fault yeah. or, or et cetera. It's just largely how these algorithms behind the social media networks work. Uh, that, you know, content that gets eyeballs gets pushed out more. Mm-hmm. So just to, just to keep people on the platforms longer and, and more often. So the million dollar question is how do we protect our kids from the influence of online uh, influence of, of advertising online? I mean, you know, it's not as simple as it used to be. Just block the website uh, Are basically is taking the phone away. The only option we've got on these. Yeah. So I think the main two approaches you hear about is, uh, oh, we can't stop it. Just give the kids the phone. Or the complete abstinence approach is I don't let them have phones. And, and no one ever talks about kind of a mindfulness approach of, a, you know, mindfulness consumption of, of, of social media and, and media in general. And so I think it comes down to education of, of younger people, education of ourselves. I believe this is not a, just a problem for young kids, it's a problem for adults as well, mm-hmm. of just how to consume um, social media in a conscientious deliberate intentional way and recognize you know bad habits it's an addiction i think just like any other addiction uh so to kind of educate that and and realize that some some consumption is okay and it does have benefits uh to using them and then being on social media but recognizing when it reaches kind of a problematic state uh, and that's what people aren't talking about. I've been I've been part of a research group uh, over the past few years that we've been investigating kind of like mindfulness in, in terms of social media and social media consumption and how that could help, you know, a more healthy relationship with social media as opposed to just complete abstinence, which is very difficult to to, to suggest, or, you know, just going full out 100% social media all the time, which is not healthy. Matthew, this has been a great chat this morning. I appreciate you uh, stopping in and uh, giving us a few minutes of your time. No problem. Matthew Filt, the Assistant Professor in Marketing Management at Toronto Metropolitan University. And uh, yeah, just talking about the importance and the influence that happens online through social media with your children. And if the teachers aren't in school someday and they've got the whole day off school... There's going to be a lot of online influencing, I'm sure, that happens. Curious to know your thoughts. Are you concerned about the impact that social media is having on kids, is having on young adults? We've we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but this whole influence that is happening through social media, whether it's actual targeted advertising or if it's just an influence in behaviors, what are your thoughts? one 332 8255 Are you concerned? the impact social media is having on our children. More on this topic when we come back right here on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Just had a good conversation with Matthew Phillips.
assistant professor in marketing management at the Toronto Metropolitan University, about online influencing and how it's making its way into our homes, whether we like it or not. There's lots of it going on for sure. And we're asking your thoughts. Are you concerned about the impact social media is having on kids? Some great uh, messages coming in. People are saying, look, in some ways, it's no different than what they can get on TV. There's all kinds of influences that are happening on TV, even some of the ones for adults. Predictive programming at its finest, whether it's on TV or through social media. Other people are saying, absolutely, social media is a big challenge. One one texter or one message here from Shannon saying, it's a status symbol, right? Self-confidence issues arise in young children if someone doesn't like a post, like a comment. So you are really, really driven to try and be like somebody else. And we're definitely seeing this. I was just talking about this with a, a buddy of mine. These Zin nicotine pouches, have you heard about these? I mean, they're they're the rage right now. And of course, they are being touted as a smoke-free alternative to people that want to get some nicotine. And so for people that are of legal age, this shouldn't be a problem. But if you go online, and especially through social media, there is all kinds of just posts that people are putting, whether it's on TikTok or Instagram, of using these lip pillows in quotes, the quotation marks that, that they're, it's like chewing tobacco, essentially. They're little white pillows of nicotine pouches. And a buddy of mine, Whose, whose son is 11 years old, he and his entire team come out of the hockey locker room the other day with these things behind under their lip. They're 11 years old. Where did they get them? Uh, one of the guys on the team has an older brother who had a tin of them and gave them to the team so that they could put lip pillies in as they came out of the locker room. You can imagine the parents not too happy about that. Social media influencing and marketing, um, not at its finest, but definitely, uh, I think, a real-life example of how this can implicate things. All right, we're going to talk teachers when we come back, and basically we're going to open up the phone lines for you. We're going to talk about what we see in the province tomorrow with the rotating strike that will be affecting a few school divisions, and then, of course, what we are going to see on Thursday with the fact that kids aren't going to be able to hang around the school at lunchtime. No teacher supervision at lunchtime on Thursday. Your thoughts on this? When we come back, the phone lines will be open for your texts and your calls next, right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, good morning and thanks so much for joining us on this Tuesday morning as the weather continues to stay mild through most of the province. We are seeing and hearing some reports that might see some moisture roll into different parts of central and southern Saskatchewan, but for the most part, single-digit highs, so minus 7, minus 3 in some parts of the province for highs, so still very mild as we make our way through another work week. A work week which, by the way, for schools is disrupted in a couple of ways. And I'm curious to know, we're going to, for the next half an hour or so, we'll open up the phone lines for you. I'm curious to know if the recent move involving Saskatchewan teachers withdrawing noon hour supervision has changed your view on the teacher strike. one 332 8255 Because we were seeing a lot of people voice their support. Even though the teachers were on strike, we were seeing single-day strikes. We had a couple of full single-day strikes happen in the province. 
Now we're seeing rotating strikes, and of course, day two of these rotating strikes is happening tomorrow in Saskatoon, both the Catholic and the public schools, Prairie Spirit, Northern Lights, Creighton School Division. But then on Thursday, things change. And that's why we're asking the question this morning. Has this recent change to now involving basically lunch hour supervision, has that changed your view on the teacher strike? Maybe it's solidified your support for teachers. one 332 8255 Or maybe you are saying this is a disaster and I'm not sure how I'm going to navigate this. Because, of course, lots of different schools are coming out with what they're proposing to happen for example saskatoon martinsville warman they're being they're closed for the lunch break they're having a modified school day and all students are required to actually leave the school ground so buses in those centers will be picking up students on thursday about 15 to 30 minutes before lunch to make sure they're not left unsupervised but then there won't be end of day bus service so what's happening is, and as even as I walk down the hallway at work today, anyone who's got children in school, especially those that have children in elementary school, where they can't just walk home by themselves and be fine for the rest of the day, they're trying to figure out what they what they need to do. And I'm curious to know if this is changing anything for you. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Has this recent move involving lunch hour supervision changed your view? On the teacher strike. Let's go to Edwin in Regina. Thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts on this move, Edwin? My thoughts is the school board could uh, give half the teachers lunch at one time, the other half teachers lunch at the other time. There's nothing in a bargaining agreement. The space of lunch has to be at noon. So you're you're saying find find ways that it can happen and it doesn't inconvenience the students and the parents. Is that where you're going, Edwin? That's that's correct. If the teachers want to inconvenience them strike day. You don't pull that in the middle of the day on noon. Mm-hmm. one 332 you still Are you still supporting the teachers? That's the question I think that arises from this. We talked about this last week when we talked about the fact that strike action is one thing. So for teachers to say we're not going to be teaching this entire day. No school for example tomorrow in a few Parts of Saskatchewan. Parents make alternate arrangements. In some cases, have to find someone to look after their children, stay home, work from home, whatever the case may be. But when it comes to the pressure that withdrawing services has, not taking the full day off and striking for a full day, but not supervising lunch hours, not doing extracurricular work. I've referred to this before. My son was in grade 12 in 2011 when... The la- one of the last teacher strikes happened, and we saw a withdrawal of, for example, coaching basketball. And in my household, things like basketball and football for my son were big deals. Those were big deals. And so every day I was hearing about it from my son, his frustration about this. And keep in mind, and I've said this before, I, I've got a family full of teachers. And so it was it was quite a lively conversation in the house for sure. So I'm curious to know this recent move involving lunch hour supervision. Has it changed your view on the teacher strike? one 332 8255 Chris in Saskatoon is next on the line. 
What's your thought? Who are who are you uh, siding with on this move, Chris? Oh, sorry, I'm trying to get the trio down. I'm I'm siding with the government on this. I actually feel the teachers' union ask is way too. They're too far apart, and I feel they don't want a deal done. That it's election year. They're going to drag this out as long as they can to whittle away at the SAS party's lead in the government polls here. I just, I'm actually, I'm just, I'm upset about it to be honest with you. Everybody has been struggling. Mm-hmm to get back from COVID. And now my wife and I got to take time off of work, which we're all trying to recover. Right. right. And now we're going to lose income. So right. it's, it's just not fair. I don't, I don't feel they want a union. I don't feel they want a deal. I just don't. I, you correct me if I'm wrong, Evan, is the asking 28%? Is that the raise that they're asking? No, for no. What they're asking, what the teachers are asking for is 2% a year for four years. So that's 8%. Okay. Plus they want a cost of living increase. And now they haven't, they haven't come out and said what that dollar amount or what that percentage is. If you look at last year's cost of living increase, it was around 6%. This year's around four. So that's 10 on, on top of the eight and then whatever the next couple of years would be. So, you know, the Saskatchewan uh, government has come out saying that the ask is 23.5 and the teachers keep pushing back saying, look, that's our starting point. We're not suggesting that's where we're going to end up, but that's just like 7% over three was where the province started. They're saying, you know, this is their starting point and somewhere, of course, in the middle is where they, they hope to meet. But, you know, it's, I agree with you. They're so far apart and they're so yeah. fundamentally opposed on the issue of how they're going to handle classroom complexity. I don't know that we're going to see them go to the table and get a deal. No, I don't think so. I, I, this is going to go for a very long time. And, and the union's smart. I'm not giving that. I mean, this one day, two day here, they know they're going to get legislated back to work. So they're playing the cat and mouse game here. And, and, and everybody's losing. Like, we're all losing. Our kids are losing. Um, it's, it's not fair for us as parents. I appreciate you calling in uh, this morning, Chris. one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. What we're talking about is, of course, tomorrow is day two in the rotating strikes. It's the fourth day that we're seeing actual strike action in the province. And then Thursday, Saskatchewan teachers will draw noon hour supervision, which is causing school divisions to scramble. Some are sending kids home early. Most are saying you can't stay at school over the lunch hour. And, of course, parents are saying, hey, in many cases, parents are saying, I pay for lunch hour supervision i stroke a check at the start of every year so that my child can stay at school at lunch and so this is added pressure and it adds to the conversation one 332 8255 barb in moose jaw what are your thoughts on this i'm for the government i think the teachers are being a little unreasonable they've been offered things and it's their way or no way. Well, I want a cost of living, too. And I think that the union is saying, you, we want it all. And I think that they get paid not bad. And that it's your, I just, I just think the teachers are asking too much or the union is asking too much. Mm-hmm. Get rid of the darn union. one 332 8255 I want to go to Tyler in Saskatoon because we're really hoping to hear from parents. And Tyler, I'm assuming you're a parent? Yeah, I'm a parent. I did noon supervision for 12 years, and so I'd be willing to do it. I have no problem with taking $20 an hour for that time. Um, I also wonder what the teachers want. They want 25% over four years plus 1,000 or 2,000 new jobs. 
Like, what are they asking for? Right. So, a couple of things. Yeah, let's break this down to a couple of things, Tyler. First of all, the lunch hour supervision. So, you're saying as a parent, because some schools do have uh, parent committees that come in and do that supervision, it doesn't lie on the shoulders of teachers, correct? Correct. And so, in other places, teachers actually, I can tell you from a couple of divisions that I'm aware of, Teachers don't get paid lunch hour supervision time. What they do is they accumulate enough over time, they get time off. So if you do, I don't know what the number is, 25 or 40 lunch hour supervisions, you get a day off. And so it's a way for teachers to to bank some days. That's my understanding. But it, it, it no matter how you slice it, parents pay for, and I'm assuming, Tyler, you're one of them that pays for the the possibility of your children to stay over the lunch hour? And uh, I'd be willing to do it. I've done it before. I did it for 12 years. So was that organized through the uh, the parent-teacher council? No, that was through the schools. And then they've adjusted their policies because they want to make sure they have trained people and things are safe for kids. But right. like I said, I've got 12 years' experience doing it. So you would gladly step in and, and do that um, if, if you were called upon, but uh, with an expectation, I'm assuming that you wouldn't be paying for it if, if parents were actually the ones doing the service. Right. one 332 8255 Definitely a lot of people weighing in on this, and, and it's interesting. I mean, this is not a scientific thing. I'm just throwing it out there. But when we talked about this last week, I said, I feel as though, when you have teachers taking off a full day on strike, we saw recently there was an, an Incitrix poll that showed that there was still a lot of support for teachers. If the teachers union ventures into withdrawing services, then what are we seeing? Are we seeing that same report, that same relationship between parents and support for teachers your calls this morning might suggest otherwise. I'm going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll take a few more calls at one 332 8255 right here on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Well, we're talking about uh, the teachers' strike action that is happening tomorrow. We are seeing a full-day strike in a few different school divisions. This is part of the rotating strikes. But then on Thursday... That becomes a little more interesting. This is the withdrawal of lunch hour supervision, and we're throwing it out to you asking, has the recent move involving lunch hour supervision changed your view at all when it comes to your thoughts on the teacher strike? Let's go to Ryan in Regina. What's your thoughts on this whole situation with the teachers? Well, I side with the government, honestly. I'm getting tired of the whining. I've I've been through many of these strikes, been a student through the strikes, and I think it's maybe time to start privatizing lunch hours like and and even coaching bring in the people who want to work with the kids who want to coach the kids we can pay them to do a good job and then when they're done they they leave they don't spend the rest of the year whining about having to do it i think that if the teachers are overworked then let's privatize some of the stuff i'd rather put money towards the people who want to do the job than the people who are going to complain after two or three years that they've done too much this is getting silly the kids are suffering just like the other callers have said COVID has knocked our kids out, and this is just silly to be doing this, and uh, the teachers are asking way too much. I think it's time to privatize some of the actions that need to be done inside the schools. one 332 8255 Let's go to Harold in Hanley. What do you think, Harold? Is this uh, latest move causing you to change your opinion in terms of the teachers? 
Not a bit. Uh, the teachers, uh, they need a little bit, a lot more help in the classrooms. The problems that go on in the classrooms is hurting the kids because there's not enough help for the teachers or for the kids to, uh, you know, have a good education. I am a bus driver. I see it firsthand what's going on. I know teachers who are dedicated to their job and would like nothing more to be able to do it better. Hmm. Uh, as far as the strike actions, I think they need to go to a full four-day, five-day strike uh, one week and then uh, scare the government enough to uh, have some something done. I'm not convinced, though. That's the thing. I'm not convinced that we are going to see that happen. I think both sides, we, we've got a couple of sides with heels dug in, and I'm not so sure that we're going to see the, the provincial government make that decision to say, okay, let's go back to the table. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but certainly it sounds like we're hearing the same thing time and time again from the Minister of Education, Jeremy Cockrell, when he's asked about a response to the latest strike. All right, I think we got time for one more call. Let's go to Les and Ituna. I'm asking the question today, Les, has this recent move involving lunch hour supervision changed your view on the teacher strike? Not a bit. I side with the government on this, Aaron. I um, I think the cost of our educating our children has done nothing but go up, and the quality of education has done nothing but go down. And that falls squarely on the shoulders of the teachers and the educators. Well, it's uh, you know we're seeing definitely people on both sides of this issue. If I look at the text line, there's a ton of people texting in with strong support for the teachers, and there's a few people texting in. <laughs> that are on completely the opposite side of this. I want to grab one more, Kathy and Regina. Uh, thank you so much for calling in. What's your thoughts? This latest move we're talking about now, lunch hour supervision, does that change your support for the teachers or make it even stronger, Kathy? It makes it even stronger. And and tell me why. Because, well, I can tell you, I know of at least three people who are wonderful, smart young people who tried teaching in the last five years and, and had to quit because it was just too much for them. Mm-hmm. We're and losing. I, We're losing teachers. Way, yeah, and and the way I see it, Mo Mo's way of negotiating is not to negotiate at all. He's the guy that wants to hold um, a draw a line in the sand and know he's not he's not giving an inch. Well, we'll see about that. We, it's going to be interesting. There's no doubt about it. So here's what we're going to do tomorrow. We're going to start off the day talking about teachers tomorrow because it's going to be very forefront in our minds. And then we're going to open up the phone lines for a full hour tomorrow. So from nine to 10 tomorrow, because judging by your text, and by the way, I'm saving your text. If I didn't get to you today on the text line tomorrow, we'll be able to bring a lot of those thoughts back as well. But the calls will be open tomorrow as well. So teacher talk is far from done. Tomorrow, starting first thing in the morning off the sh- start of the show and right through until about probably about 10 o'clock, we're going to talk teachers and we'll get your thoughts right here on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.